Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of October 2011. For newcomers, help yourself to the free audios available at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find hundreds to choose from and hopefully you'll understand this big system you're born into and how incredibly perfected it is in deceiving you into giving you the, the reality that the masters uh, made up for you to believe in. Everyone does. They're all born into the same system, given the same education. Their parents don't know to tell them the whole system is bogus. And, of course, the media is not there to help you either. It's meant to distract you and to program you into other ways, many different ways. A lot, a lot of trivia, of course, but also tries to make you believe that politics is all real and that uh, that man or that woman they've just elected is going to change it for, for the better. And, and that's been going on for a long time. If it wasn't for democracy, there'd be revolutions every five years, and that's why they gave the public democracy. They, they always vote the last lot out and vote the, the new ones in because, we see, we have an optimism partner brain. They actually say that. It came out years ago. And that's what they count on, is that we'll always be optimistic and say, oh, well, we've got five years to go and we can get them out. And that's how we, we fall for it every time. I mean, but it's our own fault, too. We fall for all the lies. And we want to hear them. We want to hear the big promises of, you know, Santa Claus and uh, lots of welfare and guaranteed jobs and a, and a wonderful lifestyle. And it just doesn't happen, you see. It's, it's Alice in Wonderland stuff, but it's perfected. So help yourself to the audios. You understand the foundations, the parallel government that runs the world and how they have a big, big plan. And I give you the different links to the Club of Rome, the think tanks, etc., that plan your future and many, many generations to come, in fact. That's how it actually works. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can purchase the books and discs I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use a personal check or you can use an international postal money order from the post office. It's about the same price as a regular post, postal order. And you can send cash or you can use PayPal to order. You'll find out how to do it at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And remember, straight donations are certainly, certainly welcome because we're living in the time of uh, uh, quantitative easing, they call it, and inflation and lots of chronology going around. And we're really going down the hill. We're being taught austerity, and yet the worst is still to hit us because they're introducing the advanced guards in other countries like Australia to show you how bad it's going to get. So keep your eyes on these countries because every country is a test bed for part of the agenda, and they always try to iron out their problems or the backlash they get from the public in those particular areas, and then they hit the rest of the world with it. They've been doing this for years and years in many different ways. Uh, across the world, remember, you can order two using PayPal or Western Union or MoneyGram. Again, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com to find out how to do it. And you can also uh, see the links, all the official uh, sites I've got listed there too. They all have transcripts if you want to print some talks up in English 
or you can go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, and find a variety of some of the, the, the transcripts in other languages and help yourself to those. But we're going through uh, really a scientific dictatorship, which is, is really the employee, the employee of the big boys who own the money system of the planet because they've been running the economies of the world for thousands of years in different empires. Now it's a global empire. And uh, this is an old, old science. Not that the stuff you get, the, rub- the rubbish they give them at university to be economists. If economists uh, had a science behind them, nobody would fall into the mess that we're always falling into. They never see it coming, they claim. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and it's interesting when you look at, um, as I say, Australia as the example, the flagship to test out the carbon taxes, and the the, the big farce has been going on there for quite some time since Julia Gillard, the Fabianist, and she's a member of the Fabian Society, but so was the last Prime Minister too, Uh, and and the Fabians really are well trained, uh, almost like spies and agents for their tasks. When they leave office, they always go into much higher positions or they're behind the scenes doing real, the real jobs, as Kissinger and Brzezinski said, uh, of technocrats where they get the jobs done and they're not, not responsible to the public. So that's what she'll do after she's out. But anyway, she's in at the moment and she was put in, of course, to do exactly what she's doing. And that was to bring in, uh, the carbon taxes to supposedly fight climate change. But this is, you understand the big think tanks dream this up. And as I say, the Club of Rome was given that task in the 1970s and in their own book, uh, which I've got listed on the links on my website, you'll find the, the quotes where, she, where they actually say at the Club of Rome that they were given the task to find some way to, to unite the planet. Now, what they really meant was, was uh, to bring them under one system of rule, rulership. It's not nothing to do... In fact, they actually say in the same book that democracy would have to go. It doesn't work. And and they, they hit upon the idea of, of uh, eventually global warming, climate change, uh, drought, famine, plagues, disaster, and the like would fit the bill. And since then, it's been the mantra from the top down. And the big, big bankers want it too because they got all the free carbon taxes uh, carbon credits given to them and they can trade them for massive amounts of money. It's a win-win situation. They don't have to make anything anymore, just trade these darn coupons they get from the government. But anyway, this article here says when Julia Gillard took over Australia's Prime Minister last year, her predecessor served as a pretty good cautionary example. After all, the political opening Gillard seized upon was to win her job was presented after Kevin Rudd, the previous Prime Minister, botched efforts to pass a law taxing greenhouse gas emitters. It's amazing too, if you were, you know, boiling some water to, for an egg, uh, you're putting in greenhouse gases because regardless of the fuel you're using, the evaporation is just water and most of greenhouse gas is actually water vapor. But they don't want you to think about that too much. Anyway, Gallar seems to heed the lesson. She said when she was running for government, there will be no carbon tax under the government I'll lead, she said, while campaigning. As I said tonight in my, uh, on the link I put up, liar, liar, pants on fire, uh, and let's hope she pays her carbon taxes herself for that. Anyway, she says, um, 
Today, Gillard is championing a massive new climate bill complete with a carbon tax and risking her political life in the process. She's risking nothing because if she left in a week's time after it's all in, she'll have done her job. Uh, nudged, out, uh, 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 nudged out onto this limb by politics of coalition building. This is, an, this is how the media presents rubbish to you, understand? To try to give you an excuse. Uh, it says, Gillard chose to make her about face in order to align her Labour Party with the newly influential Green Party. So they give you this rubbish here uh, to try to see why she had to do it. You see? Concluding that a bold carbon tax is, after all, what Australia needs to fight climate change. You know, just get big cannons and fill, it, fill them up with dollars and fire them into the sky. You know it's all a con. This is whether you see the move as, as politically expedient or as a principled course correction. There's no denying the risk that it entails in a country where climate change is a widely contentious issue. Anyway, this is currently 80% of the country's electricity comes from coal. They don't have oil and all the rest of it there. Uh, they've got lots of coal, though. Having to make Australia the worst per capita carbon polluter amongst wealthy nations, Australia is also the world's leading coal exporter and vocal factions of the powerful mining industry say the tax scheme will destroy jobs and sink the economy. Such fears help explain the Prime Minister's horrendous job approval numbers. Anyway, they passed it last night, the lower house, and that bill, so it's going through, and that's it. And she said that too uh, the day before. She said, this is going through, she said. This is done, full stop. And uh, and it's, it did go through. So uh, the rest of the world will be watching this because they'll be implementing it elsewhere. Actually, they already are under different little different names. They're already implementing carbon taxes or pollution or energy taxes. It doesn't really matter what they call it. You see, Bertrand Russell, who was a big player in the, in the world think tanks for many years, he lived to a good old age, and he was called upon right to the last, in fact, to sit at world meetings. He said in, in his books that he churned out for the elite themselves because the average person doesn't want to read dry stuff. He actually said that it would be a scientific dictatorship they would bring in. And so they confuse the public and baffle them with scientific nonsense, and, and the public would never know the real reasons or motivations for anything being done. They would think that they did because they'd be told uh, basic untruths, but um, they'd never know the real reasons. And he said that he preferred the idea of a scientific dictatorship over any other kind. Plus he said it would be horrendous and merciless as well. And believe you me, that's what you got a merciless system. It's the same with the vaccine industry. It's all part of it too, depopulation, dumbing us down. He also said that they would use injunctions and uh, all kinds of propaganda uh, and indoctrination, psychology, and the needle, the needle injections, he meant vaccinations, to get the desired kind of population that the masters wanted. Well, I've known for years, and I've said it for, for, for many, many years, uh, that uh, the, ch- the inoculations, I don't care what age you are too, but childhood ones definitely hit you quickly and it knocks out your immune system. And it also, I- I'm sure it- it's a reason that your IQ uh, drops. After they started giving out all these inoculations and vaccinations uh, to-, to younger and younger children, you- you'll find the IQ actually dropped about 10 points overall across the whole planet, wherever they gave them. That's the new normal, by the way. And, of course, they poo-pooed it and said it's nothing to do with vaccinations. These are God's gift to humanity, etc., etc., etc. And 
I've also said that it really destroys your immune system until your immune system goes at war with everything uh, for no reason. Basically, it's been it's been hypersensitized, and uh, you, you're constantly attacking things. It's always at war, and that's why folk get tired all the time, chronic fatigue, etc. Uh, it's, it's killing nothing because there's nothing there. And eventually it turns in your own body and goes for your joints or it can attack organs as well. And I've mentioned that as uh, over the years. If you go into the archives section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And um, I've mentioned too that, that see these viruses that gives, they inject into you have been altered and many of them are synthetic and they can actually identify them what lab it came from even 50 years later. And they found them uh, in, in, in autistic children, for instance. They have a high incidence of these viruses in different parts of their body, including their intestines. Uh, other ones will go to the brain. There's no doubt about it. Other, other folks somehow get diverted to the intestines. But here's an article that's come out now about vaccine-induced inflammation linked to epidemic of type 2 diabetes and uh, other metabolic immune problems. And it says here, Baltimore... And this was in 2008, by the way. It's come out again, though, but it's in, back in 2008. And this, that was from Reuters at the time. It says, newly published data by Dr. J. Bartholomew Classen in the Open Endocrinology Journal shows a 50% reduction of type 2 diabetes occurred in Japanese children following the discontinuation of a single vaccine, a vaccine to prevent tuberculosis. This decline occurred at a time when there's a global epidemic of type 2 diabetes and metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome is when your, your immune system shot, as I say, it's a war with everything, and when you actually get an infection, a real infection, it's fighting all these, this, these non-things, and it can't uh, mobilize to attack the real thing. That's what happens. And plus you, you end up with massive allergy syndromes, which almost everyone's got today. And this which increases obesity, altered blood cholesterol levels, high blood pressure, and increased blood glucose resulting from insulin resistance. Classen proposes a new explanation for the epidemic of both insulin-dependent diabetes, type 1 diabetes, which has been previously been shown to be caused by vaccines and non-insulin-dependent diabetes, type 2 diabetes, Upon receipt of vaccines or other strong immune stimulants, some individuals develop a hyperactive immune system leading to autoimmune destruction of insulin-secreting cells. And that's what I said. You'll find it in intestines. Of course, your pancreas is attached to the small intestine, and this stuff gets in there too, and it destroys the little, uh, it's the Langerhans, they call it, that produce your insulin in your pancreas. And that's why diabetes was almost it was so rare, so incredibly rare at one point when I was young, and then it just blossomed all over the place. That was type 1. Other individuals produce increased cortisol, an immune-suppressing hormone to suppress the vaccine-induced inflammation. Now, they add all these adjuvants as well to these, uh, these killer viruses put into you. And, um, and what happens then is your cortisone uh, literally will cause even massive uh, more inflammation in an area. And because this, this, this virus, this, this so-called half-dead virus, supposedly, uh, will um, stimulate the immune system. Suppose this is how it works. Stimulates the immune system so as it will, it will come in there and, and actually uh, your, your, blood, your white blood cells will copy uh, or, or come up with a, an antidote to it, whatever. That's how it really is supposed to work. But the problem is, though, on the top of your kidneys, you've got the suprarenal gland, and uh, that produces a cortisone. 
and uh, what happens eventually is it, it goes haywire, doesn't stop, doesn't shut down, doesn't recognize this, this stuff is, is fairly safe. It, it, it keeps on attacking and attacking and attacking. And so you end up on anti-cortisone, uh, and uh, then you have a lot of problems. Then you're wide open to all infections because it shuts down your immune system altogether. It says the increased cortisone levels lead to type 2 diabetes. Because, so here you are, we've got type 1 here, and then uh, the cortisone uh, being secreted in, in abundance causes type 2 diabetes and metabolic syndromes. Once again, your immune system is defunct. It's hopeless. Japanese children have increased cortisone secretion following immunization compared to white children. And this explains why Japanese have a relatively high rate of... Um, Type 2 diabetes, but low rate of insulin-dependent diabetes compared to whites. The lower cortisol response attributed to type 1 diabetes and the higher cortisone response attributed to type 2 diabetes explains why type 1 diabetics are generally leaner than type 2 diabetics since elevated cortisol causes weight gain. And you find that folk who get put on cortisone because of all these problems, their immune system uh, gain weight. Just the same thing too. Back with more on this particular topic is very important after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix talking about diabetes and uh, the other effects of uh, immunization. And remember, too, this one I'm talking about now has been known for years. What it actually does is it links totally in with obesity. It's linked completely in with autoimmune problems. And we've all got uh, autoimmune problems today pretty well. That's taught as quite normal. It's a new normal now with the teach medical students. Just a natural thing to have a, a half-destroyed immune system. But anyway, getting back to this article, it says, Classens, it says, the current data shows that vaccines are much more dangerous than the public is led to believe. Inadequate testing has never been performed, even in healthy subjects, to indicate that there is an overall improvement in health from immunization. The current practice of vaccinating diabetics as well as their close family members is a very risky practice, Dr. J. Bartholomew Classen. Classen's research has become widely accepted to view the published papers and find out latest information, and it gives you the link, and I'll, I'll put it up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com tonight after the broadcast. But uh, as I say, uh, it's not like we didn't know this. It's just that most folk didn't know it. Uh, and, of course, the, the con games that still go on with the vaccine industries too, the World Health Organization, etc. And getting back to what Russell said, they would use the needle, the needle, you know. Anyway, I also put up um, a vaccine safety website too. And it's got August 2011, newly published data in the August edition of Journal of Pediatric Endocrinology and Metabolism. Uh, 2011 provides further evidence for the link between vaccinations and to the epidemics of childhood obesity, type 2 diabetes, and metabolic syndrome. The new data derived from large populations of children in Italy, not just Japan, confirms previously published works that obesity is actually associated with a protective effect uh, on type 1 diabetes. In Italy, regions where obesity has a high prevalence, there is low prevalence of type 1 diabetes. And in areas where there's a high incidence of type 1 diabetes, there's a low prevalence of obesity. In areas where type 1 diabetes has a high prevalence, there's a high frequency of genetic traits that predispose to low cortisone uh, or cortisol production. Cortisol is very important, as I say, in, in your whole system if you want to live that is. 
So it goes from there and it gives you the previous articles too, uh, uh, including uh, what, what does to white people and different, different uh, groups. It says, um, the diabetes and metabolic syndrome clinical research and reviews provides further evidence for the link between vaccination and to the epidemics of childhood obesity, type 2 diabetes and metabolic syndrome, a group of disorders including obesity type 2, etc., high blood pressure, altered blood lipids, as your fatty acids. Asians and other non-white minorities are at higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes metabolic syndrome both together as an adverse effect from vaccination, while whites are at higher risk of developing type 1 diabetes and autoimmune disorders from vaccination. And the draft is there. The PDF is there as well. I'll put that link up tonight as well. And they've been doing these studies for years. They know darn well what they're doing. Then they go into Asians, and there's also a PDF for that and other ones as well. Uh, but as I say, it's quite fascinating. It says discontinuation of BCG. This is another one. Vaccination, that's for your, your tuberculosis, precedes significant drop in type 2 diabetes in Japanese children. That's how they first stood. really had to come out and admit the truth. Actually, still try to hide the truth, but it's because they, they stopped using the BCG vaccination there. And um, it says um, type 2 diabetes it starts really when you're a baby, before you're six months old. It's so fast acting. Uh, they stopped using it so the children weren't getting fat anymore. Role of inflammation and cortisol activity as a cause of type 2 diabetes. And uh, I'll put this link up as well. Uh, and it's from Classen as well, John B. Classen. Uh, it's very well done. There's, there's a lot of information in it and a lot of different studies, etc., etc. But we're, we're being destroyed. You understand we're being destroyed by different techniques and means. And that's why, too, they're pushing this stuff across the whole of the third world. It goes in with the the, the bill that, that um, uh, Kissinger put through in the 70s, talking about the need to depopulate, especially in third world countries. But see, they'd already been doing it at home. That's why he said third world countries. <laughs> uh, it's great how they word things. But anyway... Uh, everyone's got pretty well a destroyed immune system, and allergies is, are part of that problem. That's 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 it's another name for a, basically a, a, a badly working immune system, where you're you're allergic to things that shouldn't even bother you at all in nature. Now, is it, what's going on is um, big business now. The big international boys. Uh, they want another tax holiday. Another one. It says foreign profit tax break was costly bomb, says this report. And it says, uh, Congress should not endorse another big tax break for overseas corporate profits because the last one in 2045 was a costly failure, said the U.S. Congressional Investigators in a report released Monday with an army of lobbyists, the old games. That's the only ones to listen to, not the public. Lobbyists, you see, big business. It's all their pals. They've all been in the same lobby groups working for the big corporations before they go into politics. Pushing on Capitol Hill for a repeat of the Bush administration's 2004 to 2005 program, the head of the Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations urged lawmakers to reject another corporate giveaway. We can't afford a tax break that would deepen the deficit, disadvantage domestic firms, and push more corporate dollars offshore while failing to stimulate the economy, said Senator Carl Levin in a statement on his panel's report. Levin was joined by Senator Kent Conrad, fellow Democrat, in writing to Congress's Deficit Reduction Supercommittee, urging members to refuse lobbyists' pleas for a second overseas corporate income repatriation tax holiday. Uh, Bipartisan legislation that would allow the tax break estimated to cost taxpayers nearly $80 billion over 10 years. Don't worry, you'll pay it all. 
uh, was introduced last week in the Senate with a similar bill offered months ago in the House of Representatives. And you think, Democ, why do you keep voting for this farce, eh? Why? Why? Is it just hope? What is it? Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. Now, I've talked about many different articles that get printed from the big and published from the big uh, think tanks that work for the people who own the world, really. And and everything that you're going through today was, was has been planned for many, many years, and uh, sometimes as back as 50 years, 60 years, even even further back than that. The amalgamation of the planet was one of them, and uh, they tried to do that through the League of Nations at the end of World War One. In fact, the proponents in the Fabian Society, like H.G. Wells, said this is what we need, a, a world war, a great war, he says, to, to, to force the world to sneeze, and they'll all come under world government. And he wasn't wanting some nice, happy, democratic society with freedoms and rights. No, he wanted one where the better type of, the better class of people in the scientific communities as well would dominate society. Well, that's what you're going through today because I've never changed the agenda. Never, ever changed the agenda. And when you read the reports from, see, from the Department of Defense, their strategic trends reports, and I've got them in my archive section at cuttingthroughmates.com, and the one that brought it in 2007, I'll put a link up to it tonight again, uh, shows you uh, what they predict for the future. Because they know what they're bringing in at the top, you understand. They don't tell the public what they're bringing in, but if, unless you really dig, you, you can find it if you want to. But um, they, know, they know all the fallout from what they're bringing in, this globalization, uh, the massive taxation to replace um, spending money. You won't have any extra spending money. It'll all go in taxes and fees, etc., and energy taxes, all this kind of stuff, uh, job losses because of all the third world being given um, uh, the work, not because they love the third world, but because it's cheap labor, and uh, this kind of stuff. So they, they tell you what's coming up, and riots in the streets, etc., etc., uh, flash mobs using their cell phones, gathering and having to be dealt with very quickly, uh, rapid deployment forces across the world that can fly anywhere, no time at all to take care of these things. And it's, they've signed all the agreements, by the way, through treaties to do just that, uh, as these things are expected to come up. These guys are right on the ball. They know how the public react, you see. But also, of course, they gave you the Internet to make sure that apart from completely debasing you into some other uh, region and wanting to be in a virtual reality, which is awfully good, it keeps you away from the real reality, it gives you a great escape, and folk escape so much they don't want to come back to this one, and sometimes I can't blame them. But anyway, it says, this article here says, and just in case you're a, uh, a criminal, somebody act. The just in case you're a criminal, somebody act, it says. And uh, I've talked about this before, uh, it's predictive crime. And everything's going into data collection banks from your computer. You help them. They've said it on Google and Facebook, etc., that you help us. You put it up there voluntarily and they grab it all on a daily basis. And they want you to be very predictable. You see, if you change your habits and, and, and something's going on, you might be in with some little group that's planning something nasty. You should be at this 
place today or you should be at this club today and you're not you're not doing it anymore what's going on here so that's what the internet's for is to is to is, the money your tax money is thrown at universities academia to do all these studies on you is just astonishing because to us it is anyway to the the ones who rule the world then they've got to make sure to say that you are predictable and all your friends and who they are and what you've all got in common and they do all these algorithmic uh, associations to see why you, you, you like these particular people, how they read and write and, and what they say and all the rest of it. Uh, to, because it really, it, it's all the predictive clustering, they call it. Anyway, imagine a world in which your internet service provider stores information that would make it trivial for every website you visit, every blog you read, each purchase you make online to be made available to the cops. Well, it already has been done. Just in case you commit a crime someday. This is no casual reverence to the Big Brothers watching you dystopian world of George Orwell's 1984. It is the reality of this bill here. I wish they'd called it 1984. It's close. H.R. 1981. How's that? A bill in Congress that orders internet companies to build a vast digital warehouses that record and store information that links your online activities to your name and address. The data retention mandate of the bill is wrapped in the cloak of a politically tough-to-oppose framework protecting children from the worst online evils by enhancing law enforcement's investigative powers. Isn't that nice? They care about the children. That's why they want most of them aborted. (laughs) Anyway, the bill would require companies that offer electronic communication services for a fee, including internet service providers, hotels, coffee shops, and others to retain information that could be used to identify their customers when the government comes calling, whether for child protection or for any other investigative purpose. And this is, although it's always tough to fight a proposal claiming to protect children, and that's what they always do, these swines. That's what they are, they're swines. You know that. They're swines at the top. Because, you see, they never tell the public the real reasons for anything. They treat you like children. Treat you like children. And they hate children, as I say. They give you all these vaccinations to make sure you're not too smart. H.R. 1981 has garnered bipartisan opposition. The Chairman of the House Subcommittee on Crime, Terrorism and Homeland Security, Representative James Sensenbrenner, said during the hearing he presided over that he will do whatever it takes to kill the bill. Well, it's basically um, it passed, I think, a 19 to 10 vote. And then there's another article on it too. And it's the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has begun testing crime-predicting technology that's drawing comparisons to the science fiction film Minority Report. And it says, um, using cameras and sensors, the pre-crime system measures and tracks changes in a person's body movements, the pitch of their voice, rhythm of their speech. Also monitors breathing patterns, eye movements, blink rate, alterations in body heat, which are used to assess an individual's likelihood to commit a crime. And with that body heat, heat sensor, they probably know that your cortisone levels all off as well, and your immunizations are really destroying you, and, and they'll be quite happy with that. The future attribute to a screen technology is called FAST program. has already been tested on a group of government employees who volunteered to act as guinea pigs. Well, the last part of that was quite right. They are. The first test was carried out in an undisclosed location in northeastern U.S. According to the Department of Homeland Security, it was not at an airport, but it was at a large venue that is suitable substitute for an operational setting. Ultimately, the system could be used not only at airports, but at border crossings and in large-scale public events like sports matches or political conventions. But anyway, as I say, it's all tied in, too, with your daily um, stuff that you put up on your... Uh, you're eager to put it up on your Facebook accounts and, and so on. Even though they keep telling you what they're doing at all, and it doesn't stop the people. And I'd, I mentioned before about that think tank that's been given a massive amount of money to to find ways to overcome your prejudice about going through airport scanners and uh, and your prejudice about giving up 
personal and private information. They want to make you eager. They actually said that. They want you to, to find out why folk are eager to use things like Facebook. So they can find the techniques, then you, they'll make you happy to go through and be scanned so they can see your skeleton and your defunct pancreas from all, the, all your vaccinations and your BCG. Anyway, uh, that's really what they're doing with you folks. That's the real world. It's all done for, for nefarious reasons, and you're a herd. Whether you like it or not, that's how you're discussed at the top. Even in medicine, uh, it's called herd management. To do with plagues or anything else, herd management or immunization. And that's what they've been doing with you for an awful long time. Uh, it's not going to get better. You're, you're, you're just a, a number and a bunch of, uh, your whole personality is a bunch of algorithms in a computer somewhere at the Pentagon. And I'm not kidding about that. They have a virtual you. And they update it according to the info that you willingly put out every day on the computer. Because they want to test the virtual you to see if you will react in the virtual one in, in uh, certain situations. And they're dead accurate, apparently. So they claim themselves from the Pentagon. Go into the archive section, find it if you want to. I read it from the Pentagon itself. They're very accurate in what you would actually do in real life, given these little tests they do on your virtual you. What a world, isn't it wonderful? Hmm? Now, why the Euro bailout is the biggest Ponzi scheme in history? The recent decision by the Bank of England to pump another £75 billion into the economy shows that Britain, far from recovering, remains on the edge of another dip. Another dip, eh? It's like going into a black hole. Uh, but what happens to the British and world economy is to a large extent out of our hands. The greatest threat of our economic future is what's happening in the Eurozone. So they must save the Eurozone by destroying everybody. But that is part of the plan. Destroy everything that was to bring in the new. And the new is going to be a completely changed society. It already is changed, but even more so changed because they've still got massive. You think immigration is bad now. There's massive armies of people flooding back and forth looking for work. I was looking at one of their big think tank sites today on, on this very problem with, with the, the Eurozone and to see about the fallout. And believe you me, uh, over 30 or 35% of this manual laborers in, in uh, the so-called first world countries are out of business because they're giving it all to the third world. They've got much more to give them to, the, to them too. And a lot of people are fleeing from the third world and they're, they're going to be allowed to come in en masse across the whole of Europe. See, you understand, the ones who rule the world are internationalists, but there's more to them than just that. They have a lot of things in common. And they they, they don't have any favorite uh, people. Even if they're born in a country, uh, they don't see themselves as being part of you. They're a different breed, as Russell said himself. Bertrand Russell, they become a different breed, and they became a different breed a long time ago. And they view all of you, the peasant of China, Britain, elsewhere, as all just the same. Anyway, it says here... Um, the scale of the euro crisis has made one thing abundantly plain. Europe, Britain, and the rest of the world would be better off if the euro had never happened. It would be preferable if it were now dismantled in an orderly manner. Ain't going to happen, because I've looked at so many think tanks, all working for the big boys uh, and the foundations, the parallel government that Thatcher called it, and uh, Carol Quigley called it that too. And they think that they, they don't plan to. It doesn't matter how much money they throw at the, the black hole of the EU, uh, they're determined to keep this going because they're going to change the face of society using economics to do so. So you're utterly dirt poor. So much so, you'll, when any of them come forward with a new plan and some optimism, you'll all jump at it, of course, just like trained rats, and away you go, and even a deeper hole than you're already in. That's how it works. 
Anyway, it says here, the leaders of Eurozone countries appear determined to keep the show on the road, however much voters and their parliaments object to the project. At the end of the month, Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel to see off a rebellion from German MPs to win a vital vote in the German parliament to support the expanded 440 billion euros European bailout fund. <laughs> it just keeps growing and growing, eh? Ah, boy, they know what they're doing, eh? Well, where's it all go? Where does it go? Where, who's the guy in charge of where all this cash goes? Because apparently there's no accountability. Eh? Suppose there's no accountability. It all gets thrown at something that's so vague. It's like, it's like Gallard's global warming or carbon taxes and, and greenhouse gases. It's, it's like trying to go out, out into the back garden after a bad day where everything's falling apart on you and you start shouting at God to come down and fight like a man. You know, doesn't happen. Last night, the Parliament of Slovakia, one of the poorest of the Eurozone countries, cast still more doubts on the bailout project by voting against paying its share of the rescue fund. Well, they get punished for that. So anyway, just keep throwing money, supposedly, and all the right people are in place. Merkel's in place. She's been trained for this all her whole life. Sarkozy, another guy, France, trained his whole life for this particular purpose, and many of them across who are supposedly the leaders of the European Union have been trained their whole darn life and specially placed in position to make sure this all happens like this. Because obviously same people, same people wouldn't be doing it. They have to have an agenda. They're not that insane at all. And it says the latest idea is to get the European Central Bank, this is exactly what Carl Quigley, he laid all this out in the 1960s, the Bank of International Settlements, along with the IMF, and the World Bank would eventually rule the currency of the whole planet and, and all the economies of the whole planet. And that was set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and in the States they call it the CFR now. So, it's just that latest the European Central Bank, the ECB, by the way, the World Bank and, and the Bank for International Settlements is just the bank set up for all the, these private central banks to, to, to meet. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's a conglomerate. It's a meeting place. It's the G20 of the banking system. So they're going to end up to five times the 440 billion euros of the bailout fund, taking the total available to more than two trillion euros. That's the death of a lot of people, but it oh, can't change the agenda. It's, you know, and I mean that. They will not change. They will never change. I've never seen where they've changed their agenda from the early 1900s right to the present day. Any part of it never changed, never backtracked, never changed, never faltered. Since why would Europe's leaders do it this way rather than demanding higher contributions to a bailout fund from individual countries? Because if this new huge bailout is done through the ECB, they won't have to go back to their national parliaments. Uh, Mrs. Merkel has already been to the Bundestag twice to appeal for money to rescue the euro. She's unlikely to want to go a third time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll do whatever she's told by the bosses. There are bosses, you understand. They're bosses who tell them what to do. It's not the public either. It's not anybody from the public. So, it doesn't matter. This is a, a must-be. I call it a must-be. It's written in stone and the ink backtracking. Back Sometimes they'll delay something for a year or two, or at least the public will think so, but they're actually implementing it quietly undercover. And that's what happened even with the North American Union. Uh, there were so much things amalgamated now, as well as just saying we're all this one big continent run by one system. And the U.S. government seizes the Gmail of WikiLeaks found, uh, volunteer, it says. A truck bearing the WikiLeaks logo belonged to the occupied D.C. demonstrator. Oh, that's, that's a photograph. 
Anyway, apparently volunteering isn't always nice, at least not to uh, DOJ. The Wall Street Journal reports that the Justice Department have forced Google and an ISP to hand over personal data pertaining to a human rights activist and a WikiLeaks volunteer. Well, they do this all the time anyway, for all of us, actually. Uh, Jacob Applebaum is no stranger to problems with the law. He's been detained by U.S. Customs multiple times and has had cell phones and laptops seized and searched. His affiliation with hacking collectives and WikiLeaks has made him a frequent target of federal probes, often without any real repercussions. Now it's been revealed that the government has successfully forced Google and Sonic, a small internet provider uh, service from Northern California, to fork over personal data from Applebaum's email account. Sonic tells the journal that they fought to keep the DOJ off Applebaum's Gmail records, but eventually had to hand over the correspondence kept by their client for over a course of two years. It's believed that the investigation stems from Applebaum's ongoing cooperation with Julian Assange's whistleblowing operation WikiLeaks, which he represented during the, the HOPE, H-O-P-E, Hackers on Planet Earth conference in 2010. So they're really going after them. But again, if you look into... Um, Strategic uh, trends from the think tank for the military, that's the U.S. military, the NATO, actually, and Britain, the British military, too. Uh, they tell you all this has to come and, uh, and how they will go after everyone uh, who opposes this, this, this giant system uh, and tries to bypass uh, the secrecy, etc., etc. They're going to go after everyone remorselessly and relentlessly. It's just the way it's planned, folks. And a lot more worse than things than this is to come down to. Now, part of the big population plan that they have, too, is depopulation. I've gone through that before. That's where inoculations have been killing us all and destroying our immune systems, which makes us vulnerable to any disease that comes along the pike. But not happy with that. And I read this years ago on the air, uh, and I'd always known it for years, in fact, because uh, they've been talking about it uh, since about the 70s, I think, uh, with Maurice Strong, when they passed the, 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 the Air Summit, uh, the, the private group passed the Air Summit bill, their charter, and we all had to go along with it. The next one's coming up, by the way, in a few months uh, for, for part two, and you have less rights. And that's where the, the whole idea of taxing the folk for destroying ha- the habitat came from, actually. And the Rockefeller Foundation was in on it. They actually drafted it up for Maurice Strong to read. And um, so private organizations run on us, but they also talks about the need to depopulate. They said too many people, yada, yada, yada. And what they did was they gave everything that was alive a special rights on the planet except for man, you know. And that included bacterium, by the way, if you didn't know that. Diseases that should have been destroyed and gone long ago are kept in laboratories because they're endangered species. And we're going to go into that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix talking about how the, all the labs now are keeping disease. In case they go extinct, you see, they've got to have the real killers there because they'll, they'll be useful in the future. And the big bacterial warfare laboratories, of course, are just craving more and more to add to their arsenals. Anyway, this article says sequence, scientists sequence the full black death genome and find the mother of all plagues. This is the one, of course, Bertrand Russell said they wish they had brought back. Uh, Charles Galton Darwin said it in his book, The Next Million Years, to kill off the masses. He says, this is another black death. 
And uh, so anyway, here they go. It says, um, the road of East Smithfield runs through East London, carries a deep legacy of death. The two cemeteries established in the, in the area in the 14th century contain around 2,500 bodies piled five deep. These remains belong to people killed by the Black Death, an epidemic that killed between 30 and 50% of Europe in just five years. That's why they love this one. It's so effective. It was one of the biggest disasters in human history in seven centuries on. Its victims are still telling its story. In the latest chapters, Verena Schunemann from the University of Tübingen and Kirsten Bors from McMaster University have used samples from East Smithfield to reconstruct the full genome of the bacterium behind the Black Death. This species is the Yersinia pestis, still causes plague today, and the modern strains are surprisingly similar to the ancient one, but not quite the same, you see, so now they can make it the same. Compared to the strain that acts as a reference for modern plague, the ancient genome differs by only 97 DNA letters out of around 4.6 million. Why pestis may not be the same bacterium that butchered medieval Europe 660 years ago, but it's not far off. Indeed, Schunemann and Bose found that all of the strains that infect humans today descended from one that circulated during the Black Death, even now people are still succumbing to a dynasty of disease that began in the Dark Ages. The Black Death is supposedly the second of a trilogy of plague pandemics, came after the plague of Justinian in the 6th to 8th century, and preceded modern plague, which infects some 2,000 people a year. But some scientists and historians saw features in the Black Death that separates it from other plague pandemics, in that it spreads too quickly, killed too often, recurred too slowly, and appeared in different seasons, causing symptoms in different parts of the body, and so on. Uh, these differences have fueled many alternative theories for the Black Death, which push why pestis out of the picture. Was it caused by an Ebola-like virus, an outbreak of anthrax, some as yet identified infection that has since gone extinct? In 2000, Didier Reultz tried to solve the debate by sequencing DNA from the teeth of three Black Death victims. Exhumed from a French grave, he found why pestis DNA. We believe that we can end the controversy, he wrote. Medieval Black Death was plagued. Rolt was half wrong. The controversy did not end. Some people argued it's not clear if the remains came from black death victims at all. Meanwhile, Alan Cooper analyzed teeth from 66 skeletons taken from so-called plague pits, including the one in East Smithfield. He found no trace of white pestis. Maybe you see what you want to, especially on the depends on the grant you're getting. Other teams did their own analysis, and things went back and forth with a panto-like tempo. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't, etc. 2010, Stephanie Hench served up some of the strongest evidence that why pests caused the Black Death using DNA extracted from a variety of European burial sites. Schunemann and Boss bolstered her conclusion by taking DNA from bodies that were previously been exhumed from East Smithfield and stored in the Museum of London. We sifted through every single intact skeleton, every intact tooth in the collection. Said Boss, they extracted DNA from 99 bones and teeth and found why pests in 20 of them. Schunemann and Boss took great care to ensure their sequences hadn't been contaminated by modern bacteria. Now, if they, if they know there's this nine different, uh, different um, little differences in the actual original massive killer, uh, they can then put it back to the original. You understand what they're really after here? You understand that? Anyway, uh, that would be worth a lot of cash to the big war industry. From Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, remember, buy the books and just keep me going. That's good night to me, your God. Or your gods go with you.